to the Wisdom Podcast. This is your host, Justin Dora. And I'm going to take the next two episodes and kind of do a two-part series um, on the podcast. And it's coming from a, a teaching I actually gave in Michigan last month on the core values or the core beliefs of Jesus. And I just felt like it really captured something. Um, but it's a little too long for just one episode, so I'm going to go ahead and break it into two. And I think it will be helpful. So the big idea here is that what you think or believe about God and what you think and believe he thinks about you will shape the way you live your life. Now, I want to I wanna start by really framing out the word think because it doesn't just mean intellect or being cerebral with God. In other words, I just come up with these concepts in my mind. No, thought, real healthy thought life always leads to experience. And actually, uh, as I understand it, what you think about is a is a precursor to your emotional life. So oftentimes people want to have an awesome emotional life, but they don't realize it's their thought life that's actually driving everything. So if you learn how to trust and believe in God and what he says about you and the way he thinks in general about life, about people, about yourself, then your emotional life will actually follow suit. So when we talk about right thinking, we're not just talking about this clinical technical technician approach to life and God. We're actually talking about the way God designed us being in alignment with that. Um, and it really does produce fruit. So so again, what you think or believe about God and what you think he thinks about you will shape the way you live your life. Here's the reality. Everyone perfectly lives out what they believe. <laughs> I'm sure many of you are thinking that's not true. No, it is true. What it's challenging is sometimes what we say is not what we actually believe. There's things that we've learned to parrot and mimic that we know is truth, but it's not yet gone to the place where it's actually living and breathing within our belief system, within our our honest and real way that we think and believe and therefore live out of it because human beings were designed to live out what they believe. So if your behaviors or actions are less than what you would desire, the truth is they're actually reflecting what's going on inside or what's going on in your thought world, your emotional life that maybe you're not aware of all the time. So my hope is that we can really begin to flesh out uh, some of these things over the next uh, two episodes. So what is a core value? <clears throat> I wanted to find a core value, uh, again, as a baseline for the, the whole point of this t- conversation, uh, because sometimes we think core values are things that we, uh, just things that we do, um, which it includes that, but it, it goes a little bit deeper than that. And so I wanted to find core values as this, something you believe that manifests in actions not just something that you're hoping if you try hard enough and long enough that you will become the thing that you believe. Let me say that a different way. A core value is the depths of your belief that manifest in your actions. It's not working on your actions, hoping that who you are changes. It is an inside-out reality. It is not an outside-in process. So therefore, 
to shift the way we behave or the way we act, we have to first start with what do we actually believe. We have to know what we actually believe. And oftentimes, our emotional life will give us clues into what we actually believe because we'll run into those problems or issues over and over and over again from an emotional perspective, and they have a root system that goes down into your thought life. So if you shift your thought life, if you begin to see things from God's perspective, and based on the nature and grace of God in you, then you actually begin to see your actions change, which is good news. Okay, so I want to start by, by again, laying some, some framework or some groundwork, and we've got to start with the nature of God. We have to understand that the nature of God really frames for us the nature of man. God made us in his image and in, and in his likeness, not likeness. That doesn't mean that everything we think or do perfectly reflects God, but that is how God designed us, that we would, that in right alignment with him, that our our lives would begin would be a reflection of his life that that his life infused in us would begin we would be a vessel to let an expression of that life out into the world and so we first have to understand the nature of god and then we can start to realize okay if that is the way god is and he made me in his image and in, in his likeness then that is the way that he designed me not just to operate but to thrive in life So here, here's a thought that I want to frame out of the, uh, the book of Genesis. God's identity shapes God's activity. Who God is manifests in what God does. Jesus said this in Luke 6.45. He said, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. In other words, who we actually are will drive what expresses through our lives. And Jesus is saying this can go uh, both in a positive direction and negative direction. But but what's the, the bigger, what's the clue he's giving us? The clue he's giving us is if mankind is made to where out of the overflow of his heart, the mouth speaks, that is from the image of God. God made man like that because God himself is like that. So So here's where we see that in the book of Genesis. God said... Let there be light. So out of the overflow of God's heart, he speaks. And what happens? Creation begins to emerge. And there was light. So out of the overflow of God's heart, creation began to manifest. It is the same for us. Out of the overflow of our hearts, the things we speak can have life on them or they can have death on them, which... I don't want to focus too much on the death side, but we will focus on it a little bit. And, and and when we're thinking about this, here's the thing. This isn't name it and claim it. It's not just if I say it enough, that'll make it true. You see, that's going back to what we said at the beginning. It's not about doing something over and over and over and over and over and over and over, and over again to try to make something happen. It's out of the overflow of who we re- really are. So what does that mean? That means we got to know who we really are in God. And guess where that comes from? That comes from a place called faith. Faith is a person. He, his name is Jesus. He's both the author and he's the finisher of our faith. And faith in Jesus comes from hearing. And hearing, this is according to Romans 10, comes from the message of Christ, not the words of Jesus, not the 
not Bible verses, but the message of Christ in you, the hope of glory. Therefore, if we learn to slow down, if we learn to allow our thoughts to align with what God says about us, in other words, I am in Jesus. I am full of his life. I hear him with clarity. I am full of patience. Did you notice the fruit of the Spirit is patience, not hurry? So if you are feeling hurried, I would I would counsel you that you're probably not going to hear God really well because God is not hurried and you are owning an identity that is incongruent with the nature of God. And what God will do is he will get quiet to get your attention so that we will slow down so that we can hear his voice. Because here's what happens when you hear his voice resonating with that message of Christ in you, the hope of glory, then you know what the byproduct of that is? faith. And you know what happens off the back of faith? Action. And it's in the action that we see manifestation of the promises that are in our hearts. So again, we're not talking name and claim, but we are talking about um, activating the all that God put in us in Christ. Second Peter 1, 3, and 4 says, you have everything you need for both life and godliness. So there's no lack. There's no There's no lesser than that we've got working in us. We have got the fullness of the Godhead, according to Colossians 1, at work in us right now. And so, therefore, what we say activates that fullness so that there's now grace active in us to take the steps necessary to begin to walk out the destiny and the purpose and the plans that God has for us. So, again, even going back to some Old Testament scriptures, in in case you're thinking, okay, there's no way I can have everything I need because there's still things in me that are broken, that are messed up, that are are not working. That's not what the scriptures say. That may be what our emotions say. That may be what religion says, but it's not what the scriptures say. Ezekiel 37, 26 and 27 says, says, um, I'm going to give you a new heart. I'm going to give you a new mind. I'm going to give you a new spirit. And I'm going to give you my spirit that will cause you to obey. That's called grace. God gives us a new heart. He gives us a new mind. He gives us a new spirit. And he gives us his spirit that causes us. What does that mean? It means both the will and the desire to do the things that God has designed us to do. Or what about Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34? It talks about that he's going to give us a new heart and a new mind. And it actually says he's going to write his law on our hearts and on our minds. So therefore, the scriptures no longer tell us what to do. The scriptures actually tell us who we are. So guess what? The the God of heaven wants to activate who you already are, but maybe you're just unaware of it at this point. And so that's the value in reading the scripture and letting the Holy Spirit illuminate the truth because it begins to activate something in you. What does that mean to be activated? It means you have a desire and you have a step. You have a desire to do it. You you have a step that God gave you in mind, and you can take that step. And often it's when you take that step that God gives you the next step and the next step and the next step. And before you know it, you look behind you and you've taken a hundred steps, but they've been a hundred steps in the grace of God by the power of God because you've been activated in your identity in God. Why? Because his identity shapes his activity. 
Guess what? It's the same for us. Our identity shapes our activity. Who we are in Jesus shapes the way we live our life. Or to go back to what I said at the beginning, what you think and believe about God and what you think he thinks about you will shape the way you live your life. So when you begin to frame this out, the nature of God is is who he is shapes what he does. His identity shapes his activity. God manifests, who God is, is manifest in what God does. That's why you can't have a core value that's incongruent with your, act, with your action. When you do things you don't believe, they don't work. When you, when you try to do things in the name of God and it's incongruent or it's out of alignment with a core belief of the nature of God and therefore your nature, it won't bear the fruit that it's intended to bear even though you may see someone else do the exact same thing. But guess what? They have a belief system that is in line with the core value of who God is and who they are. Therefore, that action actually works. There's, there's the anointing of God on it. There's a flow out of who they are into what they do. Point number one just got completed. <laughs> okay, point number two. So again, we're talking about the core values of Jesus. First thing we did is we talked about the nature of God. We've got to understand the nature of God so we can understand our nature. The second thing is the power of leaven. Okay, in the book of Matthew, chapter 16, verse 5 through 12, there's this interesting story that takes place. Jesus is has just had an interaction with the Pharisees and Sadducees. Uh, they're, they're demanding a sign, and Jesus says, you're a wicked generation. And then he goes on this trip with his disciples, and he makes this comment. He says, guys, beware of the, the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And the disciples are like, oh, we didn't bring bread. He must be frustrated. And then Jesus says, what are you guys talking about? I'm not talking about bread. Do you still not understand? I'm talking about the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Be aware. Okay? And then the scripture goes on to say, it goes on to, it's actually, what it says is the disciples then were aware that he was speaking of the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So what does this, what is the principle? What is the core value? What is the, the paradigm that Jesus is unpacking with this passage? It says that leaven is teaching. Now what, what, what does teaching do? Teaching communicates concepts, ideas, and paradigms. And Jesus has said, Jesus has just had an experience with a religious paradigm through the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And he is thinking, guys, be careful. It can mess you up. And and, and in other parts of the scripture, it says, it talks about leaven and it says leaven, a little bit of leaven will work through the whole, the whole lump of dough. In other words, a little bit of a wrong paradigm. A little bit of a wrong concept, a little bit of a wrong idea about the nature of God, about who you are, will affect your entire person. 
And if it's and if it can affect you, it can affect your relationships. And it can affect your relationships, it can affect your community. And if it can affect your community, it could affect your city. Do you see what I'm saying? One thought that is incongruent with the nature and character of God will produce all kinds of issues in life. And so Jesus is saying, just because someone comes off as if they are representing God doesn't mean you need to onboard every thought and idea if it is incongruent with the nature of God through the word of God by the spirit of God. And what does the fruit of a false paradigm look like? It looks like anxiety, fear, insecurity, isolation. Read Galatians chapter 5, which, talk, which describes the acts of the flesh. It, it, is a, it is a perfect picture of what a wrong paradigm will do in a person's life. So here's the truth, guys. We don't need to onboard thoughts and ideas about God that are incongruent with the nature of God and the character of God. And it's easy to, for, for that to happen. In the name of playing nice, in the name of being positive, in the name of fill in the blank, you can onboard. And what does that mean to onboard? It means you can take and adopt internally a perspective of God and therefore wrap your mind around it, wrap your heart around it to where it begins to affect your emotions, to where it begins to affect your actions, to where it begins to affect your relationships, to where it begins to affect your whole life. That's the power of leaven in the wrong way, in the wrong sense. But in the same way, Matthew 13 talks about the leaven of the kingdom. And so in the same way, the leaven of the kingdom can have just as powerful an effect. And I want to put together a few scriptures that kind of unpack this out of the book of John that I think will give us, hopefully, um, vision for the way leaven works. I, I think the way God intended leaven to work in, in the good sense to where it begins to leaven our emotions, it begins to leaven our thoughts, it begins to leaven our relationships and our places of influence and our workplaces and our homes and our communities and our the, 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 the groups that we connect with just for fun, like affinity groups, things like that. Okay, John chapter 8, verse 32 makes this statement. It says this. It says, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now, what's interesting is in the Hebrew, uh, the, the, the concept for knowing is not what we have in Western context. A West, in, a, in a Western context, um, to know something means to know by concept or theory. In other words, I don't ever have to have experience with it. As long as I kind of understand it or I get it, then I chalk that up to knowledge. I chalk that up to I know it, but I don't really know it because in a Hebrew perspective, knowledge is through experience. In other words, until you've experienced it, you don't know it. So what Jesus is actually saying is you are going to know because you've had an experience with the truth and that knowledge or that revelation, because it's experiential, will set you free, which is good news. Okay. John chapter 17, verse 17 through 19 says this, Sanctify them by truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. 
And then John 6, 63 makes this statement. The spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. Okay, so let me string this together. So Jesus starts in, or, or we started in John 8 where Jesus says, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Then Jesus makes this interesting concept in John 17, or he makes this interesting prayer. Sanctify them by the truth. So what does the truth do? It sets us free. And then he says, your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them, I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. Think about that. Jesus is saying that he sanctified himself so that his disciples would be sanctified. What does that mean? What does truth, and and how do we sanctify ourselves? By the truth. What does truth do? It sets us free. And what does Jesus say the truth is? It's his word. So Jesus would fill his thought life, would fill his Uh, what he set his heart on, on the truth of this is the nature of God. This is who God is. This is what the Father's like. Therefore, he could easily discern lies. He could easily discern when something wasn't from the Father because he was so full of of, uh, a right paradigm of who the Father was and therefore who he is as the eternal Son of the Father. And he says, I, I sanctify myself that they too may be sanctified. Now, this is where John 6 comes in. He says this, The Spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. He says, The words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. Here's the truth, guys. When you wrap your heart by the grace of God around the truth of who God is and therefore who you are in light of that and based on what Jesus has accomplished, here's what happens. Your words become spirit and they become life. Therefore, when you talk, you begin to leaven an environment. You begin to give away the kingdom of God through the leaven of your words and what your meditations and your and your uh, the emotions in your heart. And what begins to happen is that begins to to have an impact on the people around you. And all of a sudden, now they begin to have a desire to begin to meditate on the truth, to begin to think about, to begin to dwell upon, to begin to to wrap their identity around what God says about who they are and about what God says about who he is. And then guess what that does? That begins to shift them. And now when they talk, their words are spirit and their life. And those relationships that they have and those workplaces that they're in and those affinity groups that they're connected with. They begin to give away or leaven the kingdom of God through their words, through their actions, through their their relationships. <clears throat> and that's where we begin to see the, the kingdom begin to manifest. Why? Because people are coming into alignment and agreement with God. So guys, what we say, meditating on the truth, meditating on who God says he is and who God says we are based on the scriptures, based on words that God gives you through uh, his people, by his spirit, <clears throat> when you allow those to be your lens through which you look at life, then your words become powerful and they have weight to them. And when you speak, people come alive, which is what we see in John 6, 63. And I've seen this happen before. There was a time where uh, I was with a friend of mine and we were we were um, doing an outreach in a, in, a, in a kind of a mall type area. And I had been meditating on Proverbs 28, 1. And it says, uh, the wicked man flees though no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. And I had been meditating on that. And I just began to say, God, because you, you are my righteousness, I am bold. That's what you say 
about me. It's not, I'm not, I don't have to drum that up. I don't have to work that up. You have given it as a gift in your son. It's part of the package. And I'll never forget, we're on this outreach. I don't feel extra bold, talk to people, you know, prayed for people. I think we saw some miracles and some healings happen. And at the end of it, this guy comes up to me and he says, he says, when I get around you, I get courageous. I get really bold. There's something about you. When I get around you, I get really bold. And immediately God reminded me of this scripture. The wicked man flees or no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. And God was just saying, it's who you are. It's coming out of your heart. It's coming out of your life because you've, by the grace of God, wrapped your heart around the truth of what I say about you and what I say about myself who is in you. Therefore, everywhere you go, you are giving that off as an aroma, as a fragrance. I remember being at a restaurant one time in Portland. And we were practicing some of this stuff. And so our waitress comes up and I just had a basic thought about the word creative. And so I asked her, I said, hey, uh, this is going to sound weird, but uh, are you creative? And she looked at me funny and she goes, I mean, kind of, you know, I like to sew or something like that. And I said, she goes, why? And I said, well, I I said, this is going to sound weird, but I, I just sense God was speaking to me that you were creative. He loves that about you, and he designed you that way. And sometimes uh, religious people may try to um, to be down on you, but God's not like that. He doesn't do that. And no, no joke, she literally jumps backwards, doubles over, stands up, and says, wow, I feel so good, turns around and skips back to the kitchen. <laughs> what happened? She experienced the leaven of the kingdom. She got there was something that resonated within her. She she had a she had a small awakening to the nature and character and love of God and it did something in her. I've been in environments teaching where you start the teaching and it feels like a brick wall. It's like, what is going on? That There is no emotional response. And by the end, you can sense the, the, the nearness of God. You can sense the peace of God. You can sense the joy of God. You can sense his presence. What is that? That's being 11 in an environment. That's really good news. Okay, so let me wrap this up. This is part one of our core values of Jesus. And again, I just what I've done tonight is I've laid a little bit of groundwork on what is a core value, on the nature and character of God and, and, and His process that out of the overflow of His heart, His mouth speaks and things move is the same for us. It's the way He made us. We tied that to 2 Peter 1, 3, and 4. And then we talked about the power of love. And this is how your core values begin to influence things. Uh, that leaven is is ideas, concepts, paradigms that can either create re- a religious perspective of God and actually cause us to to have issues, or it can be the kingdom of God that's within us. Uh, as Jesus said, the kingdom's not just at hand, but the kingdom is within you, and it begins to awaken. <clears throat> who we are and and who we are begins to leaven all our relationships, all our places of influence. 
So next time we're going to talk about an unoffendable heart, and then we're going to get into the core values or some core values, core beliefs of Jesus, and then we'll wrap up with some final thoughts. So hopefully this was helpful. I'm going to pray, and then we will conclude this time. Thank you, Jesus, for giving us fresh revelation, fresh eyes to see who you are and therefore who we are because of what you've done. And Father, I thank you for... um, for practical opportunities to be leaven in the coming weeks. Let there be practical opportunities to allow the meditations of our heart to overflow into our relationships and begin to see changes happen in people's lives by the grace of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Wisdom Podcast. If you like what you heard, leave us a review on iTunes, and iTunes will suggest this podcast to others. Thanks, everyone, and take care. Mm-hmm.